G'day and welcome back to the My Peak Podcast, home of holistic development. Here with Director Jordan Brown. G'day everyone, thank you for joining us today. An exciting episode, we're following the theme for the week. We're going to be talking about teamwork in today's episode and how to utilise it to get the best results both on and off the field. Yeah, very exciting. We're going to talk about a few reasons why we want to develop teamwork and then go on with a few do's ways, and don'ts. Yeah, a few ways on how we want to develop teamwork, the do's and the don'ts of developing teamwork. We'll also speak about the different roles within a, a teamwork environment or a mm. team environment and how or maybe which one you are and how you can utilize that one to get the best out of your envir- environment that you're in, whether that be your sporting environment Uh, your friendship maybe it's your work environment business environment your marriage it's always important to have um, a bit of a framework and a structure on how you're going to work together as a team yeah love it awesome so let's dive in first of all what is teamwork well teamwork by definition is the combined action of a group basically we're trying to develop uh, systems structures or environments where we incorporate other people to work together to achieve a desired outcome or a goal. Couldn't have said it better myself, Jugs. <laughs> so, why do we need teamwork? The first thing we're going to talk about is efficiency. I'll dive into this one, Jug. So, efficiency is the ability to split difficult tasks. Now, the great thing about having an environment in the team, you're going to be able to use strengths and weaknesses to the advantage of the environment. So, let's say you've got a big task that you need to maybe get in a certain period of time the best way to do that is to start splitting those tasks into roles and like we said we'll touch on those roles later but the way you're going to do that is with the suitability like i said before the strengths and the weaknesses are where you're going to divide these roles or divide these tasks just because you might be really good at one thing or you think you're really good at one thing there might be someone in that team environment who might be slightly better which means you might have to take a different task or role so this comes down to sitting down talking um, or communicating with the team around who's going to take what task, not necessarily who's going to take what role, but what task, and that way you can start to use each other's strengths and weaknesses to decide who goes in what direction. Yeah, I love it. It's brilliant. If you're, well, hopefully you are good at everything, but very rarely are you going to be good at everything. So if you do have uh, teamwork, some support with you, if there's something that you're not quite as strong at or it's a little bit of your weakness, then through good teamwork, we can develop someone else's strength to replace your weakness, which is ultimately going to help the team and also help you as an individual as well. Perfect. All right. Number two, we have more learning opportunities. Yeah. Awesome. More learning opportunities is an awesome one. It's any team environment you're in, you want to be using the people around you as a learning opportunity, learning from their success to try and incorporate whatever they've done well to achieve success and also learning from the failure of others as well. If you can see someone else make a mistake, hopefully you can learn from what they did or didn't do and try and develop a process to try and achieve the results if you are in that situation moving forward. The next one is under more learning opportunities is you can actually fail without much risk. The great thing with this is you can be very confident, um, courageous, trying new and different things because if you do fail, the likelihood of your teammates being able to catch you uh, is very high, meaning that just because you make a small mistake doesn't mean it's going to be detrimental to the whole outcome. 
So it's important to understand that you can take these risks to hopefully, one, learn um, or actually achieve the goal, maybe in a quicker time frame, um, whatever the risk might be. But if it doesn't come off, the great thing is if you're involved with three, four, five, six, seven, 10, 20 people in the team environment, you're only a small portion of the cog, which means you're going to get caught when you fail. Yeah, absolutely. If you, cricket's a great example of that. There's often times in a game of cricket where you, as a batter, might not score runs, but obviously there's going to be other batters around you to come in and hopefully they score the runs for that day. But if you take that example and put it into other little parts that go into developing cricket, or it doesn't even have to be in cricket in life as well, you can develop teamwork around those things say it's in your preparation having people help you in your preparation then if something doesn't quite go to plan maybe it's with your nutrition and then mum or dad can help you on that morning of game day or a teammate can help you be hydrated on the day of a game as well so developing teamwork is going to provide you in that setting both on and off the field yeah that's great the third one that we have that we want to speak about and one that i really love is the high morale or the energy you can you can feel in a team environment one that is often driven by one or two different characters and that then becomes infectious but how do you do this how do you actually build a higher energy or a better morale in the team well the first thing you want to do is make sure you're valuing other people's work people love to feel like their work is valued so encouraging and i often think about the people around me who are really good encouragers and how they make me feel they're often building me up. They're often telling me I'm good at things. They're often impressed with some of the things that I do. This allows me not just to feel good, but to continue to do those actions or even take further risks because they're giving me the confidence to do so. So number one is make sure you're valuing people's work. Yeah, that can be. That makes me think of both like actions and thoughts slash intentions as well. Making sure your teammates are valued in what they do, but also the way they think as well. The next thing to do or to think about for to develop energy within a team is that they can contribute to a successful result. That can be in your, like we said earlier, on the field, but also off the field as well. If you're um, valuing everyone's input, then ultimately the teamwork and the environment you're creating is going to help boost the morale, which is going to increase your individual performance. And then like we speak about when individual performance goes better, team performance goes better. When team, team's performing, individual performance gets better as well. So it's a win-win. Yeah, it does go hand in hand. And I think this one comes back to a lot of the other things we spoke about. People want to feel like they can contribute successfully. So what do they have to do? They have to be valued. They have to have a role. They have to feel confident. So to do this one, a lot of other things do have to be linked. So to feel like someone can be successful, maybe go and ask them, well, what do we have to do to make sure that you can be successful? Do we have to encourage you? Do we have to fuel the fire? Everyone's gonna have a different personality. So knowing how to best set that person off to get the best result is a really good way. So communication is super important when you're trying to make people feel that they can always contribute to the successful result of the team. Yeah, that's a good point. Just a simple question on maybe what does a good day look like for you? Mm. What does a successful result look like for you today and just a simple question like that can lead to more action and providing in teamwork settings if you see moments of a game where this player said this is my successful result today then you can start to help them achieve whatever that result is that they uh, think is their best result for the day Uh, the next thing 
to talk about in higher morale is making sure that your teammates understand and know that they have something special to offer to the team. Yeah, yeah, this is a really good one. And this is coming back to communication, identifying what each person has to offer as a strength. Mm. So you sit down and you talk about, well, what do you feel like you're really good at? Or someone else can actually be the person to instigate, you know, Jimmy over there, he's excellent at X, Y, Z. And then they go, you know what? I am good at that. I, I feel like I can contribute to that. I actually have a strength here that this team's going to rely on. And all of a sudden, those positive juices are flowing. There's some confidence there. Um, there's some proactiveness there. Just knowing or being affirmed by a teammate or a coach or even yourself that you do have a special skill for this particular task is going to lift their morale. And then hopefully, they're an infectious person and will infect the rest of the team. Yeah, and sometimes you... A skill might be actually to let go of doing something. You might be a bit of a control freak or you might really uh, enjoy doing tasks yourself. So sometimes you might have to prioritize letting go of something to allow someone else to offer their special skill. And that might be something really big or it might be something small that can play a bigger role in the, uh, the cogs of the team coming together to produce the desired outcome. Yeah, now the last reason why we need um, teamwork is for a better quality outcome, meaning things that we can achieve in a team is often a better quality than what we can achieve on our own. And that comes under two different topics. The first one is sustainable energy. So when we've got a team environment, we're allowed to maintain energy for much longer for a couple of reasons. One, if you're in a team of 10, you've got 10 tanks of energy, but you're also not using your energy as often. You're allowed to sort of switch off um, or sort of just put it on cruise control and be able to maintain that energy level for a little bit longer. Ultimately, these things are going to help us have a better quality of work and a better quality of outcome. Yeah, and then there's the consistency element. If you're working together as a team, you're going to produce the results results a lot more consistently. Why? Well, it goes off the back of basically the things we've been speaking about for the last five or 10 minutes. If you're developing a team around you, you're filling in strengths and um, weaknesses with more strengths from other people in the team and consistently over a longer period of time you're going to start to see in, uh, an increase in results or better quality results due to the team working well together a really quick and easy example that i understand a lot is one that in a home environment if you're someone that does all of the chores you're probably not going to do them at, at top quality where if you can have someone whether it's brother sister wife partner mum, dad, whoever, give you a hand, not only are you going to have energy for longer, you're also going to be able to do a better quality of job because your energy is higher and you're having help. You know, you start to put that into a, a sporting environment where you don't just have one partner, but you probably have five, six, seven, 10, 15, 20 different partners or team members. You guys should be able to come up with a really good system, hopefully, that allows you to sustain that energy, find that consistency and get the better quality. Yeah, that's a really good point. It allows you... It's not just putting all your eggs in one basket. You're giving people around you, hopefully, like we said, your teammates, roles to, to achieve these desired outcomes and they can put all of their eggs in that basket. You can put all your eggs in this basket. So you're starting to develop these uh, systems or processes, probably a better word, to try and achieve the desired outcome together as a team. And then, obviously, as that process goes, you can work together, which we'll get to some roles later on to make sure it all ties together as a team and you're not just 
sustaining your physical energy either. When you have lots of tasks to complete and you're constantly thinking about, oh, I've still got this to do, I've still got that to do, you're draining that mental capacity as well. Yes, your physical um, ability is going to get um, drained and you're going to become more tired with the more tasks you complete. But the mental strain it's going to take on you if you don't have a partner or two or three to help you with tasks just means the quality's not going to be there. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's move on to the exciting part. And hopefully listeners at home are thinking this right now or wherever you are. So why we develop teamwork was spoke about for 10 minutes. Now, how do we develop teamwork? Awesome. Cam and I are going to speak about the do's and the don'ts of teamwork. Yeah, so first we'll start with the do's, the more important ones, the things that you want to try and think about now so you can um, provide action on moving forwards to develop the best teamwork you can. And this can be any setting, like we spoke at the start. It can be in cricket on the field or it could be in off-field. It could be a holistic uh, topic that you're trying to develop in as well. So the first thing we're going to talk about is knowing your goal. Yeah, really good one. And I think this is a common trait that we see across our foundational topics. But knowing your goal is so important for clear vision. And then when you start to do this in a team environment, it becomes even more enhanced on the importance of having everyone moving towards a common goal. The first thing we want to talk about is make sure we're setting team goals first and individual goals second. This is like think big, start small. Yeah, absolutely. It's a bit of a no-brainer, really. If you set your team goal first, no matter what it is, whether it's a season goal in cricket or whatnot, that allows you to filter down and then you can set individual goals within the team that are moving towards your team goal. If you were to do it the other way around, then you would have people moving in different directions trying to achieve achieve different results. And ultimately, maybe you will achieve the, the goal, but the chances are that it won't happen consistently moving forward. And it won't have that efficiency like we spoke about at the start. The second thing you want to think about is make sure you're agreeing on the desired outcome and committing to the process. Now, this could be a majority. So you might have 10 people in a in a team, seven people have, have agreed on the desired outcome. If you're in the minority in one of those threes that maybe don't, this is where this point becomes really important. You still need to commit for the betterment of the team. So just because you don't see things maybe how majority of the teammates see it, if you're not committing to the process once we've agreed on it or majority has agreed on it, there's going to be some sort of missing links in moving towards that goal efficiently. Yeah, absolutely. Even if you are stubborn in your approach and you believe that maybe there is a different way or a different goal to move towards, if you stay in that process and you've got say in this example, seven people moving one way, three moving another way, the chances of you achieving the goal are going to be very low. Mm. If you sacrifice whatever you intended or you thought at the time was the best thing, whether it is or it isn't, and you move on to the other side and have 10 people working towards a common goal, I strongly believe even if you do think it's not quite a better way, you're still likely to achieve better results if everyone's on the same page moving forwards to a common goal. The last one that comes under knowing your goal is clear communication. Now, this seems like a simple one, but often we get to our end result or close to our end result and people in our team are going, what are you doing? Oh, I thought this is what we were doing. Oh, I thought this was our goal. What's this about? So, so often just because you think you're on the same page doesn't always mean you are. So making sure we're double checking, triple checking Um, our goals and our checkpoints and our outcomes and what we want to achieve is a really good way to make sure everyone is on the same page. The more people there are, the more likely you are to have a miscommunication. When 
there's communication going between one, two, three, four, five, six different people or parties, that's when things can be lost. You think about a game of Chinese whispers, by the time it gets to the end, it can be very different from where it started. So clear communication on what your goal is and double checking it to make sure that everyone's on the same page is a really crucial thing because if you start moving in a different direction, even if it's a slightly different direction, your efficiency is not going to be there. Yeah, I think a common practice on this podcast lately to tell everyone how important it is to write your goal down. We've, I think everyone could come up with the stat themselves. I've told them that many times that you're 40% more likely just by writing your goal down. But in a team environment, I would even encourage you to make the goal a common theme within the team. So if you're um, having a talk before a game or before whatever it is the goal's about, talk about it before you go onto the field. Remember our goal could be even a goal that's not really specific to that day, but that day is building towards the goal. Mention it. Remember we're moving towards playing finals cricket this year or remember our goal is to walk off the field knowing that we gave our best. Whatever the goal is, talk about it all the time. The more you talk about it, the clearer the communication because you're all moving together. Use it in your reflection or your debrief after a game. How did we go? Are we closer to moving to our goal? Or is there a few things today that happen that might require us to go away, work on a few things so we can get back on path so we are moving closer to our goal? Have it written down on a whiteboard. Have it written in your diary. Have it written in a, in a team chat on WhatsApp or Messenger or Facebook, whatever it is. The more things that you can see about your goal, then the more you're going to manifest your goal to become a reality. The second do of our three do's is to play slash know your role. So the first thing we want to speak about is knowing your strengths and weaknesses. So to divide roles, it's important that we identify the strengths and weaknesses individually. What am I good at? What do I do well? What do I need to work on? Where should I work on those skills? Then it's about playing that. If you don't know your role and you don't know your strengths and weaknesses, it's very hard to go out and play the role that you've been asked to play by your teammates or your coach or even yourself. Yeah, it's, we spoke about it. it's one of the best things about providing teamwork for a, uh, for a setting where you're trying to achieve a goal is to have your um, weaknesses filled in with other people's strengths. So if you don't know your strengths and weaknesses, then we're not going to be using the full benefit of having a teamwork environment and having other people support us. So again, off the back of writing down your goals, also write down your strengths and weaknesses. Hopefully over time, these things will start to develop. Hopefully you can turn some weaknesses into strengths. But for this particular time, whatever your uh, team environment is, write down what you're good at. Write down your weaknesses. Talk about it with your teammates. The second thing going off the back of that is to know your teammates' strengths and weaknesses. If you start to develop an understanding of what players around you or teammates around you are good at or what they're not so good at, then we can start to do this process of filling in gaps with strengths rather than people's weaknesses. Yeah, the example I think of in a a cricket sense is Cam and I might be batting together and a particular bowler may be bowling on Cam's pads. And I think, Cam, it's your weakness, brother. It's my strength. Get me on strike. Vice versa. Someone might be bowling outside off trying to uh, snick me off. Cam's going, brother, I'll smoke this bloke through covers. You're a chance of nicking off here. Let's get you down the other end. So knowing your teammates' strengths and weaknesses is going to allow you to play and know your role so much better. So that's why it's really important to form relationships with your teammates, to know them on a level 
uh, of not just I see you once or twice a week to know what they're good at, what makes them tick, what's their mentality like, how do they approach situations when they're in their, um, let's say, their weakness or when they're in their strength. Do they go too hard with their strength or do they um, do they not problem solve with their weakness? So it's really important not just to know the strengths and weakness physically, but also mentally of your teammates. Yeah, and it's to improve the team environment as well. You might have a player and their strength is suited to this moment. They might need some validation. Hey, mate, remember this is your strength. You, the game, maybe we're four for 20, but your strength is to hit boundaries and they're bowling short, take it on. Sometimes just by knowing your teammates' strengths and weaknesses can help you help them to make sure that they are still or they are continuing to apply their strength to the team as well. Yeah, and the last one is knowing the goal and filling the gap. So the one I always think of here is the strength that you might have might also be a strength of someone else. So you might have to try and fill a gap somewhere else that you may not be used to. Like, for example, you might be in a cricket sense batting with someone. You're really good at finding boundaries, but the person down the other end is a left-hander to a short boundary who is also really good at finding boundaries. So to fill the gaps, you know that you have to maybe move away from your strength, get off strike, and allow someone else to play that role. So it's really good to to identify strengths and weaknesses, not just for your own performance, but to fill gaps. And sometimes you might have to change or slightly Uh, move left of right of where you usually are just to make sure the team is improving or in the best space to reach that goal yeah i think that's we've been speaking about it for a while now just how important it is to for teamwork to understand each other's strengths and weaknesses in moments just simply take a breath think okay in this given moment is there someone in the team here that strength can apply to this situation or do I perhaps have to take it on and even though it might not be my main strength, I might have to develop this because it's I'm still the best person to achieve this result. All right, the last do of our three is demonstrate positivity. One that is so often overlooked on how important this can be in a team environment and you'll probably have a couple of teammates that come to mind when you think about this you're probably thinking of someone right now that demonstrates really good positivity. And these are probably three things they're really good at. Number one is encouragement. They're really good at encouraging their teammates, sometimes even encouraging themselves, sometimes even encouraging the opposition. They're always seeing the positive. They're always seeing the thing that's done right. They're not seeing uh, the weaknesses or um, the negative. They're always looking to be an optimist in situations. And this just provides a fantastic environment for people, one, to strive in, take risks and feel confident. Yeah, confidence is key. That's what straight away you wrapped it up well at the end there. It's If people around you are lifting you up, it's going to provide a much better environment for you to achieve the results that you want to achieve. Next thing you'll see these people do is they won't look at mistakes as a negative. They'll look at it as a positive because they're thinking about a learning opportunity. So often you'll probably see some people um, mess up in a team environment and uh, they'll probably become negative, get down on themselves, lose a bit of confidence. But those ones that are demonstrating positivity will often see it as an opportunity to get better next time. Yeah, it's very important. I reckon it is important though to... Try and think if you're making the same mistake all the time, then that's going to be a negative. But the people, the difference between the positive people and the negative people are that they can see that that mistake, learn from it, and that's what's going to allow them to not make the same mistake over and over again. If you're thinking of this as a bad thing, that's when you're likely to repeat the same mistakes over and over again. 
But if you're to see it as a positive, learn from it, then in the future, hopefully you don't make the same mistake again moving forward. And that's learning from your mistakes, but also learning from your teammates' opposition and even watching cricket on TV as well, learning from their mistakes too. The last one is to recognize teammates' success. That is a great way to demonstrate positivity because, again, we've touched on it before. You're allowing people to feel confident in their ability and also feel confident in the performances that they're doing. So often, uh, it can be easy to judge. It can be easy to compare. In a team environment, you want to be the one that's successful. We understand that. But everyone's time for success comes. And I heard a really good quote the other day. If you're only happy... When, when you achieve something, you're not going to be happy very often. Where if you can be happy mm. when everyone's happy, you're going to allow yourself to be happy much more often. You know, if someone's achieved something, if you're not allowing yourself to feel a happy emotion for them, your life is only going to be happy 1% of the time. But if you're happy for your mum and dad when they do this or your teammate when he or she does that, your brother and sister when they achieve that, you're going to feel that emotion much more, manifest more into your life. Mm, I like that, Brownie. And... Going off the back of that too, if you're recognizing teammate success, you're subconsciously starting to learn from what they're doing because you're looking for, if you're looking for success, the successful people are obviously doing things well. So if you're watching and recognizing those things and it could be results or it could be even better looking at processes, then subconsciously you're going to start to uh, absorb that information and then hopefully you can develop that into your game as well. All right, so that wraps up the three do's. Now we're going to move on to the three don'ts, and we're going to start it with a bit of alliteration. Complaining is contagious. Yes, it's straight off the back of the last one. So we're talking about how important positivity is. Now the complaining is the negativity. First thing I reckon to talk about is people that complain, and that becomes contagious in the group. If you're looking at the negative in every situation, it sort of stunts your ability, it stunts your growth. You're not thinking about uh, problem solving. You're not thinking about learning opportunities. You're not thinking, what did they do well? What could I have done better here? Because you're worried or you're thinking or you're saying, even worse, the negative in every situation you see come to life. Yeah, so it's just an infectious thing. When people complain and people like to feel validated in what they're thinking. So complaining becomes contagious because it allows us to actually connect with someone about something. So if you're talking about excuses because maybe uh, this didn't go your way today, you probably haven't performed, which is why you're coming up with excuses. Someone else probably hasn't performed today or in their skill. So they're like, that's easy to jump on the back of. I can relate to that situation. So it becomes a real infectious thing. And that is like Cam said, when it comes um, down to being able to problem solve, we're actually missing that opportunity because we're not trying to learn from our mistake. We're not trying to problem solve a better way or a better solution. All we're going into is an excuse and a complain, uh, uh, complaining about the situation. Yes, the very first episode of the Howie. Who was the first guest on the Howie Games, Brownie? No idea. Oh, Adam Gilchrist. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Adam Gilchrist. I was going to say punter, but... Adam Gilchrist. First episode on the Howie Games, and he said the motto that he lives by is he when he was... I can't remember. When he was young, he got told that personalities are contagious, 
And is yours worth catching? <laughs> there is some advice yeah, for your Wednesday morning. That's something that he spoke about on the podcast. It's a really good episode. It is a great episode. I, I might actually go back and listen to that one again. I remember when Howie started, they were very long. So we, oh no, the other way around, they were very short. And now he's got longer into two parts. But it's off the back of this, it's like your personality is contagious and complaining is contagious because it's something that happens and everyone around you starts to subconsciously mm. uh, follow what you're doing. So the last thing uh, under complaining is contagious. We've got ability to problem solve is stunted. Your personality becomes infectious and infectious the group. But the last thing it does is create segregation. It actually separates people in the team. You start to um, see a real clear um, group happening or segregation uh, within the groups. Um, and this is where teams can start to form gaps. Um, and not gaps like we were talking about before, um, <laughs> gaps where you're actually missing the link between those teammates and, and that personalization of the team. Yeah, like we say, complaining is contagious. However, there'll be some people in a team environment that will completely remove themselves from that environment if that is a complaining or a negative environment. Mm. So if you have people removing themselves from that part, then that filters through to other parts in the team and that's where you start to have little groups or segregation in a in a team environment the second one under the don'ts is do not compete for recognition i think this is a really good one because if you're competing for recognition you're not ultimately there for the team now it can be hard we know because people love to be recognized we spoke about it before how people love to be encouraged told they're doing well told they're achieving things but leave that up to your teammates don't search for that from external environments don't search from that necessarily from coaches or selectors or whoever it might be let your teammates give you that recognition don't compete for it you're there to move the team forward create a winning environment a great environment for growth and learning if you're competing it's sort of going to take away that real selflessness from a team environment become a little bit more selfish and over time it can actually be a big hindrance to a result yeah i'd say this is like a bit of a snowball effect mm. what can start as a simple thing of thinking okay i just love for my teammates to sit in the change rooms today and tell me how good I went. That one little thought can just snowball into little things that start to happen. And over time, that's where you start to see the full effect of people that are out there simply for individual accolades or mm. trying to get recognized for their individual achievements. Yes, as a cricketer, it's a little bit hard. You're an individual in a team environment, but there's not many cricketers out there. You still want a sense of um, like... What word am I looking for? You want to be hungry. That's probably the word I'm looking for. But if you do that in a way that you're starting to um, give up teammate success, then the long-term, like we spoke about earlier, long-term success isn't going to be sustainable. Mm, yeah. And the, the first thing we've got down here is it creates a selfish, selfish environment. That's exactly what it does. Because you're around a competitive environment in a sporting um, like team or organization, if you start competing for success... It's only natural for other people want to compete for that as well. You're in a competitive environment. These people love to compete. If you start taking a lead on competing for this recognition, other people are going to be like, oh, well, Jimmy's doing that. I, I want some of that. It becomes a real competitive thing. And you don't want to go competitive for negative. You want to go competitive for positive. Who can encourage people the best? Get competitive around uh, bringing your teammates up, creating a selfless environment. Try and be competitive in the areas you know are going to be good for the team. Yeah, you see good leaders. They... 
They do a similar thing, but they say, all right, I'm going to do it. Jump on my back, follow me, and we'll do it together. Yeah, yeah, that's right. It's a real together mentality yeah, rather yeah. than individual. I can be the one to stand up today and win this game for the team, but I'm going to need you to do this, you to do that, and you to do this, and then at the end of the day, we're going to win. Yeah, and that's knowing your role, and we'll get to that in a second. Second thing is it creates trust issues. I think this just comes down to people seeing a selfish um, sort of motive, you know, that people don't want to trust people that are in it for themselves. If you can actually, if you think about this the opposite way, if you're actually trying to lift other people up for recognition, you're actually building trust within the environment because people know that you're there for the team, for them, that they can lean on you from, uh, when they've made mistakes, lean on you for advice because ultimately you're there to move them forward. Yeah, you don't want to be the person that's sitting in a change room after a game and you're thinking, I'm not going to tell anyone what I did well today because if I tell them, then they might do that, mm. then they might do this and they get picked in that team and I don't because like we said earlier it's a snowball effect that's all it can be that starts in that small thing that you might not think makes a big difference but it's going to snowball into much bigger things mm. moving down the track because ultimately you're not going to be the best player in every team you play for because mm -hmm. the way it works when you're the best player in one team you get picked in a better team and then very rarely you go up a team and you're the best player in that team mm. so if you're the player in the team that's the best and you're not uh, sharing knowledge experiences or growth ultimately that's going to develop a bad habit and you're going to be in the other role moving forward mm. perhaps a bad persona could be made of your name and then they might not share things with you and it's going to like we said earlier stunt your growth it is it's just a snowball and we can take it as far as we like in in how far it can snowball but ultimately the end um, the end result is it's going to create conflict, whether that's between you and teammates, you and coaches, like Cam said, moving up another level or going down another level, whatever it may be, people will know you for this. So you don't want to be someone who's competing against your own teammates. You want to be competing for your teammates. You don't want to create that conflict. You don't want to create that negative environment. If you can stay away from competing for recognition, you go a long way in creating a lot of trust with your team members. Yeah, so like we said, be hungry and want results individually, but get your teammates on board. If you're a leader, give them some roles assigned, do it together, and it's a win-win for everyone. The last one before we jump into the roles of a team is the last don't, and that is don't judge others. And I think this one is almost the most important don't in my eyes because, well, for the first reason, and we'll go into all three, but the first one, it creates fear. And I think if players are playing with fear, they're not expressing their ability to the full potential. And this can just be as simple as, oh, mate, what'd you do that for? That's not something you're good at. And, you know, the worst thing about that is Jimmy's been working on that all week. He probably knows that that's probably not his strong point, but he's trying to make that a strong point. If you keep telling him that he's no good at that, it's going to create fear on him expressing himself in that way down the track rather than encouraging him, encouraging him or her and asking him or her to learn from that mistake. Yeah, it's a very important one. I think there's, if you see teams, there's no, I can't stand watching teams or players as well play with fear. Mm. Just the sustainability for success is so low if you're playing with fear. And if the fear that you're playing with is coming from you thinking about what other people are thinking about you, mm. then that's a really, it's a bad habit to get stuck into. Yeah. So personally, you want to get out of that. But in this setting, in a team environment, you want to be making sure that you're not the person judging other people and making remarks, comments, or um, 
even actions that you do in body language and whatnot, you don't you want to make sure that that's not putting fear into other people. I don't want him or her to think this, or he or her thinks this of that. Make sure that you're the person that's creating the environment where they can express themselves as a person player in the way that they seem or way they think is best for them at that time. The second thing we want to talk about under don't judge others is when we do that, it hinders creativity. So again, it touches on what Cam said around us worrying about what our peers or other people are going to say if they're used to being judged or there's a habit in the team to judge those when they try and step out and do something different outside of the box to maybe get a better result, it's going to hinder our creativity to do that anymore. If we feel like we're going to be um, judged often around the things that we try and do, you know, often we try and do things outside the box. Uh, we try new things. Maybe it's holistic development. You try new diets, new mental practices, and, and people aren't sort of welcoming to that. It's very unlikely that you're going to want to try that uh, continually even though you're trying to experiment and get better creativity is what um, solves issues and solves problems and helps us get results other people uh, haven't been able to achieve because they're not creative enough to come up with it and if we're not being allowed to express that in a team environment then ultimately you're not going to be able to do these problem solving things awesome and the last thing and this is a common theme in all three of these don'ts is creating a negative environment you're judging other people ultimately it's like we said earlier that is also contagious people are going to start to um it becomes a common theme within a change rooms or within doesn't even have to be it could be off the field as well and that negative environment is not going to be a learning opportunity moving forwards all right let's talk about the five roles that we've identified in a successful team framework we won't spend too much time on these we'll We'll read out the five and, and read out a bit of an example on what each one entails. Yeah, awesome. We haven't identified these either. These are common literature, literature that um, many, if you do some research, you'll find these are five common roles that are going to hopefully all work together to come up with a successful team environment. The practical sense for this is for you to maybe one, identify which one you think you are in your current environment. And you might do this for a few different environments and realize that you're a few different roles at home, in your sport, at work, in business, whatever it may be. You might want to start thinking about which one you play where, but also what roles those people around you are playing. Because again, you've got to fill the gaps. Yeah. A lot of listeners probably play more than one team. If you're playing in school cricket, club cricket, rep cricket, you might be playing in three teams right now. You could be playing three different roles in those teams. Like we said, rarely are you going to be the best player in every team that you play in. As you get better, you move up. Sometimes you might be playing one role in one team and perhaps playing a different role in another team. All right, number one is the leader. One we all know is a crucial role, one that I'm sure most of us have played at one point or another in our lives in a certain environment, certain team. And the leader makes sure the teammates have clear objectives. We know what we're moving towards. Our goal is obvious. It is clear. And we start to drive um, movement and action towards that. Yeah. The leader and in a sporting setting, often it can be the captain. Um, sometimes it might not be the captain, mm. but often it will be. And the leader is the person that's kind of everyone looks up to. And that's the person that kind of looks 
at his teammates and understands them better than anyone else mm. and that what that's what allows them to make sure everyone has clear objectives because the leader knows what everyone can do well and then like we said earlier provide a strength strength to the team environment the second one is the thinker this person produces ideas and thinks through others ideas and i think that second part of that description is the most important the thinker isn't um doesn't have the sole responsibility to come up with all the ideas when other people start throwing in ideas it's their job to think things through and think okay how can that work is that going to be good for us can we implement that do we have the strengths do we have the skills so the thinker though they do come up with their own ideas and probably more so than others because that's their strength when someone else throws their two cents in it's also their job to process that and start thinking through other other people's ideas yeah it's very important too because Sometimes you can think that there's just like the one thinker in a team environment where other people are going to have ideas as well, but it's often that person that can think about that person's idea and think, okay, maybe if this happens, then this is going to happen. Or what if this does happen, what's going to happen? And then the thinker can start to um, produce or turn other people's ideas into either logical ideas or perhaps we might want to do this moving forward the next one is the challenger someone who questions effectiveness to drive results the key word there is drive results we're not there to just question people because that's our job or you know why why do you think of that or or what's that for or why are we doing that if you're not thinking about the bigger purpose to drive results then you probably don't need to challenge or question that motive now this person is really important because it also allows sometimes us to just Rather than keep going with the status quo, keep going with what we think is normal or what's habit, we can quickly pull the reins and go, hang on, what about this? As long as the purpose is to drive things forward, the team forward towards a common goal, the challenger is doing their role perfectly. Yeah, hopefully the challenger is thinking of things that other people may not be thinking of. I reckon the word if is very important for the challenger. What if this happens? If this happens, what will happen? And the challenger can start to sort of provide evidence for the team and the it might not be the challenger providing the evidence it might be their questioning that might prompt evidence from the thinker or the leader or someone else in the team as well excellent i really like your case of evidence there because we don't want the challenger to get their role wrong where they feel like they have to have an input all the time it's when there's evidence or they're asking for more evidence that it's probably a crucial time to challenge a question for the effectiveness and sometimes there might not be any evidence but it might be what is in front of us is telling us this is the best thing moving forward the fourth one of the five roles in a successful team work is the doer now the doer is such an important role because these people encourage progress and takes on practical jobs they get things moving yeah they're the hands-on person they're often the person that grabs the pen and paper first when the thinker produces an idea they're the one riding it down and then at the end of the day there might be 10 ideas and everyone sits back and goes well what did we say and then there's the doer that's got them all written down or the person that in a team environment for cricket you might be doing a drill they're the person that walks over the drill they've already got a stump a couple of cones and a few balls ready to go they're the person that thinks about the practical jobs and gets their hands on and gets stuck in doing them i'll read that um definition again a doer encourages progress and takes on practical jobs the first word is the most important encourages and we've spoken about this all day they don't dictate the progress they don't um make people do things they're not 
um, negatively impacting anyone. They're encouraging people to do um, roles, their roles, their strengths, and their weaknesses. The doer is such an encourager, and that's the most important word under the doer's definition. Yeah, and the last one is the supporter. So the supporter is someone that uh, they're like the glue of the team. They bring everyone together. They ease tension in the group. They support harmony and they make sure everyone's on the same uh, or an equal playing field. Yeah, this role is so underestimated. Often someone that goes under the radar. Usually you'll see them in most groups, not that there should be many groups, but uh, you'll see them uh, speaking to XYZ today, XYZ tomorrow. And the great thing about the supporter is you can always go to them regardless of the situation because you know they've got the team and your best interests at heart. Yeah, often the supporter in an environment is you can notice them when they're not there. Something, you just might not feel like it's quite working together and it's because the supporter's not there. Supporter's the one that just ties everything in together. They can make sure that the leader, the challenger, the thinker and the doer are all together trying to work towards, like we said, a common goal and achieving results together. Almost like a mediator in a debate, someone that allows people to express themselves but brings them back on track when it might get a little bit uh, too far. The tension starts to build. Maybe there's a little bit of negativity, some uh, egos getting a bit high. They're very, very good at coming in, easing the tension and supporting the harmony of the team. Awesome. All right, that pretty much wraps up our podcast episode on teamwork. We've given you why we think teamwork is very important. We've given you how you can develop teamwork, the do's and the don'ts, the things you want to do and the things you want to avoid in a team setting. And then five roles that you can play, or hopefully you're not playing all five, hopefully you're only playing one, the five roles to develop strong teamwork for you moving forward. Yeah, thanks again for listening to today's episode, guys. We're very grateful for you taking time out to listen to what we put out. We just want to thank those who are getting into contact with us, who are linking up on the Summit Series and prioritizing their holistic health. If that's something you're interested in, don't be afraid to reach out to Cam and I, whether it's just a chat, a question, a coffee, we love to have coffee, or you do want to get involved with us here at My Peak. We're very open to having you on board and would love to have you join the My Peak family. Yeah, and if there's any topics you want us to cover moving forward, please let us know. We would love to do a deep dive on something that our listeners out there are interested to hear as well. But until then, we'll catch you next time on the My Peak Podcast.